Morena, and welcome to the Dawn Chorus. I'm Bernard Hickey with the Kaka. Today I want to talk about the Reserve Bank's monetary policy statement and official cash rate decision yesterday at two o'clock. Up until about three o'clock the previous day, everyone expected either a 25 basis point or a 50 basis point hike in the official cash rate. The consensus amongst uh, local economists is that the economy is overheating, that it's generating inflation, the housing market is way, way too strong, and that the Reserve Bank needs to normalise monetary policy by tightening uh, interest rates, putting them up. And the theory is that over the next year and a half or so, the Reserve Bank is likely to increase the official cash rate from 0.25% now to more like 15 to 2% by the end of the year. That would push up mortgage rates to around 5%, you'd have to think. So we were all on track for the big hike, which would have meant New Zealand's first rate hike in seven years. And it would mean we would be the first central bank in the developed world to put up interest rates since the onset of COVID. And then Delta struck. So uh, by the time we got to two o'clock yesterday, most people were uh, saying that we weren't going to have the rate hike. And that's what we saw. Reading through the monetary policy statement, the Reserve Bank was ready to go. And they are still saying that if the outbreak is short, they will look to get on to the rate hike track fairly soon. And their forecasts in their document show that over the next couple of years, they're looking to get the official cash rate back up to around 2%, which they see as the neutral level for the official cash rate. All good. And you probably know that because everyone else reported it. However, uh, there was quite a lot of detail in the monetary policy statement and in the discussion in the Zoom press conference afterwards about house prices. And you know me, uh, there's only two things I think really matter in our world. That's house prices and interest rates. And so let's focus on the house prices part. Given that the Reserve Bank has been given this new responsibility or mandate to at least take into account uh, housing sustainability, that's a key word, sustainability, not affordability, when it makes its decisions about the official cash rate. Now, it's fairly vague on how much of an influence that should be, given that the Reserve Bank's main priorities are to keep um, consumer price inflation around about 2% and also to try and contribute to maximum sustainable employment. So they've got a few mandates now. And uh, there were a bunch of people who said they needed to put up interest rates, if only just to slow down the housing market. So what does the Reserve Bank think the housing market is at? Where does it see sustainable house prices? Well, there is quite a big chunk of commentary in the monetary policy statement. Box A on page 17, if you want to have a look for yourself, shows that the Reserve Bank thinks the housing market is not at sustainable levels, that it's above its sustainable levels. And it goes through various scenarios that it sees possible over the next few years if house prices were to fall or to stay the same or to rise. And the official forecast in this monetary policy statement is that house prices are likely to rise another 10% over the next year and then gently fall 5% by the end of 2024. So what that means is net net, 
you're looking at house prices rising around about 5% over the next three years. But the Reserve Bank says falling gently in the final two to three years of that horizon. It points out that uh, we are seeing um, significant increases in housing supply, not much uh, migration coming through, uh, potentially higher interest rates, and of course the Reserve Bank doing various things with the official cash rate. What I'm going to do now is uh, replay to you my questions to the Governor, Adrian Orr, at yesterday's press conference, uh, particularly where I ask him uh, what the Reserve Bank sees as the sustainable level of prices and to elaborate on this box A. We talk about the level of house prices currently uh, compared to what we think would be a more sustainable level. By sustainable, we are talking about what we can explain uh, where house prices would be given demand, population and people per houses and supply, the number of houses that are available. And we are very adamant in here that current house prices are above what we would call that sustainable level. Uh, I can't go as far as to say exactly how much because sadly I give you the glib answer that depends um, but I can give you plenty of indicators of why we think they are above sustainable. The first one of course is the increase in housing supply that is coming onto the market uh, effectively from end of this year onwards. I think we're seeing the largest increase in housing supply since the early 1960s. And that is coming at a time when New Zealand's population growth is at one of its lowest growth rates. So supply is going to outstrip marginal demand and that would naturally have a downward impact on house prices. Um, current house prices, uh, should be reflecting, you know, um, reflecting the current pressure. More supply means further downward pressure on that on those on that house price. The other types of measures that we look at are really around long-term debt to income um, ratios. Housing debt, uh, mortgage debt relative to household income, is at very uh, stretched levels, and that means that any small increase in interest rates has a magnified impact on debt servicing, and debt servicing across households is also at a stretched level. So it means the new buyer, the marginal investor in a house, is taking on significant level of debt at interest rates that may be going up. And so again, not only just demand and supply, but the price of debt and the debt servicing component means downward pressure on house prices, less ability to leverage into homes. And as you're aware, there has been many other policies on housing um, of recent, which all have a dampening effect on house prices. Uh, the tax changes uh, discussed by government uh, and our loan to value ratios as well as the ones that we are consulting on and debt servicing ratios. So from our view, um, uh, the current house prices are above sustainable levels. You mentioned in the document a medium house price to income uh, uh, scenarios which um, suggest a fall towards the eight to um, nine levels seen in 2020. Where do you think is a sustainable level for the house price to income ratio in the long run? 
Uh, can I, I just w encourage people, um, uh, these are good questions, Bernard, I would encourage people to read and observe the document so they're aware. And I'm going to say, you know, the first thing is I can talk around sustainable house prices. I can look at actual house prices and we can talk about corrections. What I can't do is tell you when or by how much because these are asset prices, they're highly volatile, and they are captured by the spirit of people buying these assets. So I'm talking around the, the blank, unemotional economic events. What we see through time is house prices can fall, do fall, usually in real terms, i.e. once adjusted for inflation, but when we're at low inflation, they can fall in nominal terms. And we have a prediction there where house prices uh, previously, we had them finishing at zero. We've now got them going slightly negative. I think it's around a minus 5%. So there we go. The governor confirming the Reserve Bank sees it down 5% from its peak, which is uh, towards the end of next year. Then I wanted to find out what the Reserve Bank's thinking was about uh, what it would do if the Delta outbreak worsens significantly. And there is a risk of that. We heard yesterday from the Prime Minister that the modelling by Sean Hendy is suggesting up to 120 cases were in the community at the time we discovered the first case A, the uh, Devonport man. And as I speak, there are 10 cases out there, uh, 60 locations of interest, including a church and the casino. So there is a risk that this uh, turns out to be more than three days nationally and more than seven days uh, uh, across the country, uh, more than seven days in Auckland and Coromandel. And remember, Treasury is forecasting every week we're at level four across the country is $1.5 billion in lost uh, production. So that is a risk for the Reserve Bank that this Delta outbreak continues on. They're not able to increase interest rates. In fact, they may be forced to think about uh, loosening again. It's clear from the Reserve Bank they would prefer any loosening to be done by the government, which is fair enough. And to be fair to the government, it has already announced various uh, repeating of support packages for businesses. But if the Reserve Bank was forced back into the corner of having to loosen again, how would it do it? Would it just jump back onto the uh, money printing and bond buying horse again, the large-scale asset program, as it calls it? Or should it look to cut interest rates below zero? Now, you might recall from a few years ago, the Reserve Bank's notional idea was that the best way was to keep cutting and to go below zero. And we don't really know what they would have done. But the reason they didn't, uh, we're told, is that at the time of the first lockdowns in March last year, the Reserve Bank um, realised that the banks weren't ready for negative interest rates, not in a profitability sense, although I'm sure they wouldn't have enjoyed it, their systems couldn't handle negative interest rates. Uh, very much a millennial uh, bug problem. The old, um, you know, when the clock turns to naught, the system shuts down. Well, in banks, when you try to put a minus sign in front of an interest rate, the computers don't like it, particularly the ones that were designed and set up in the 60s, which some of the banks are still running on top of. So um, the Reserve Bank had to move straight to the large-scale asset program and uh, told the banks to get their systems together. Now the Reserve Bank says the banks are ready for negative interest rates. So the question is now, 
if the Reserve Bank had to loosen, what would it do? Would it use negative interest rates or would it go back to money printing? And uh, that's where I asked Adrian or the question, uh, what would you do, money printing or negative interest rates? Governor, could you talk about um, how much of a preference you have now for the OCR relative to the LSAP? Um, given that you now have the funding for lending program in place to deal with negative interest rates and the banks have uh, uh, rejigged their systems to cope with negative interest rates, i.e. if you needed to uh, uh, ease again in the event of a very long, painful lockdown, would you prefer to use negative interest rates over LSAP? Uh, I have. I can't answer that or the outright again. It's just a. It's a function of the conditionality. I'm pleased you have reminded people that banks are capable of having the negative interest rate. Um, so again, that's a hypothetical answer with a conditional. Um, uh, you know, this is. It's incredibly hypothetical. What we're talking about in our document is the country being able to manage periods of disruption. Uh, uh, created by these virus um, outbreaks. Uh, we are in a much better position to manage it via fiscal policy. Uh, we understand what those policies are and how they can be used effectively. Monetary policy will be there to support. Our biggest concerns at present are not about lowering the OCR, it is about making sure inflation expectations are well anchored. So I don't want this conference to get confused I want this conference to understand that our general path is to be tightening monetary conditions, not to be worrying about negative interest rates. And uh, just a related question, is the, is the Reserve Bank um, concerned or is it a factor that um, New Zealand seems to be quite a bit ahead of the rest of the world's developed uh, countries' central banks um, who have yet to signal um, the sort of uh, hikes? that you're talking about it's it's a, just a base fact that we run monetary policy for Aotearoa New Zealand um, not for um, not for these other countries New Zealand has been less impacted to date from the COVID-19 that means our economy has been stronger we've come up against capacity pressures sooner and hence monetary conditions may need to move sooner and so it's a very strong and positive position to be in uh, um, so, uh, and that's well recognised. We've done a lot of uh, search across countries to assess for differences, and most of the differences come down to starting point and strengths um, uh, than anything else. Uh, likewise, it goes for asset prices and house prices. We've seen um, asset prices rise globally, again, uh, in part due to the low interest rates, but the magnitude and timing of that has really been as much related to supply constraints, um, differences across countries. So similar experiences, probably T plus six months ahead of some countries. Uh, there is a queue of countries talking about what we are talking about today. Um, so we aren't actually on our own. And most of those are small open economies like New Zealand. Well, you heard there for yourself, Adrian Orr wanted to signal to everyone that um, he wasn't in a mood to start loosening interest rates or start um, the uh, large-scale asset program again, and that this really was all about um, signalling rate hikes, fair enough. 
but I got a feeling this Delta outbreak is not going to go away all that quickly. And of course, the rest of the world is certainly having all sorts of grief with the Delta outbreaks. The key thing here is that um, if we do have to loosen again, I could see that the best way to do it would be to go to negative interest rates. Why? Well, we know from the large-scale asset program, QE, quantitative easing, money printing and bond buying, that that simply lowers long-term interest rates and frankly pumps up the value of existing assets. That's the problem with QE. It makes the wealthy even wealthier. But it's interesting, in negative interest rates, you would say, oh, that just uh, means interest rates are even lower at the short end. And we also see house prices rise. Well, hold your horses there, because remember, one part of the Reserve Bank's move to bring in negative interest rates was to ensure that the banks were able to pass that on to people in the form of low mortgage rates and low business rates. And so the funding for lending program was set up. This means that the Reserve Bank can lend directly to the banks at exactly the same interest rate as the official cash rate. So technically, if the official cash rate got to minus point something, they would lend to the banks at minus point something. You do have to think carefully about what this actually means. Uh, it's a bit like one of those um, exercises where you rub your head and your belly at the same time in different directions. But... It essentially means the Reserve Bank pays the bank's money to borrow money off the Reserve Bank. <laughs> Brilliant! Uh, but And the banks have used it already, um, ASB and ANZ in particular, but they know this is a particular political risk for the banks uh, because if they borrow at 0.25% from the Reserve Bank and uh, don't pass it on to their customers, or frankly, even worse, pass it on to their customers so they can pump up the value of existing homes. That defeats the purpose, certainly from a governmental point of view, and um, creates some political issues for the banks. But um, very cleverly, ASB started this, but the others are doing it as well. ASB cordoned off the money from funding for lending for building back better, it said, which is lending to people to build new homes. So it said, We'll only borrow the 0.25% money so that we can lend on to first home buyers and others who are using the money to build a new home. And that's one of the good things about the LVR rules, that uh, new home builds are exempted. And the banks are getting slightly better at uh, lending to people building new homes, buying off the plan, buying medium density, those sorts of things, um, even investors. So that is um, one potentially a bright point if there is a loosening and the Reserve Bank goes to negative interest rates and the banks use the funding for lending program to borrow at minus point something that they funnel all of that money into house building which again would help us uh, deal with this supply problem. So uh, those were the key things for me out of the Reserve Bank monetary policy statement alongside um, the governor saying that uh, he is also um, pretty keen to get things moving towards a rate hike and is not too worried about moving beyond the rest of the world. Now, what else is happening in the uh, uh, world today, or at least this morning? Uh, some interesting little bits and pieces from Australia. Um, an epidemiologist there now saying that we're looking at um, thousands of cases a day within a month. It's really out of control there. We can give up on the bubble being opening opening anytime soon. 
Uh, also here, of course, the, trying to keep up with the latest on the Delta outbreak and whether the lockdowns get extended. I'd have to say at the moment they will. And um, also overseas, uh, keep an eye out for what's happening in China. Remember, the world's third largest container port remains closed because of a Delta outbreak there. And um, we're uh, hearing bits and pieces coming through from America. Uh, they've just announced they're going to give people the third booster shots. Frankly, um, could we have those Pfizer doses, please, so we can have our first ones? <laughs> and not to mention the uh, World Health Organization that's saying, hey, before we give people three shots in the rich world, why don't you give uh, people in the poor world their first shots, which certainly makes sense. Uh, looking ahead um, for this week, um, keep an ear out for um, my podcast on the spin-off that comes out tomorrow morning. It's a deeper look at whether or not we should have a population policy. It is a glorious blue day out there. I'm looking forward to going for a run. Um, feels a lot like the first lockdown. Remember when the, the skies seemed to be blue for weeks and weeks back in um, April, May, June of 2020. Let's hope we see more of that here, uh, certainly in Wellington. I'm Bernard Hickey. Kakite no, that was the Dawn Chorus on the Kaka. I'm Bernard Hickey.